My tie's not right because of the glare off of it. So. <laughs> Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 4. This is a great chapter, one of the exciting part of the chapter right here we're, we're, we've come to. I'll try to move maybe a little quicker so we can get through this book, hopefully this year. But um, I felt led of God back at the beginning of the year to preach on the book of Acts. And then uh, as a series, because this is our theme this year, Revive. And uh, then, lo and behold, everything just went south from there. And, and, but the Lord knows all about it. And so uh, I, theme, I think I believe our theme is right on target. It's something we decided upon and prayed about as a staff for several weeks. And we decided back in October 2019 this would be our theme this year. And uh, so I felt like to keep it in front of us, we get in the book of Acts, God's book of revival. And I, I certainly hope you understand how desperately America needs revival. Oh, my. It's, we're, we're, lo- we're about to lose everything, folks. And one of the greatest things we're about to lose is our religious freedom. Now, you think this is bad now and how awkward it is, not passing the plates or giving out guest cards or shaking hands. Uh, there are places in America right now where they're not, not even allowed to meet. I had a uh, pastor friend out in California that sent me a text just the other day that he has a pastor's friend out there but the only thing he did, they were back meeting again. The health department didn't like it. And they kept uh, threatening to uh, fine him. And uh, he had a voter registration drive last Sunday. And, or Sunday before last. And um, there wasn't nothing they could do about that. But the health department got stirred up about that. And so they closed the church for another reason. The church is literally shut down, locked out. In America... In America, I talked to uh, Brother Rasmussen just yesterday, and he told me that Brother Chapel's ministry is being fined every day out there for being open, for being fined every day. And so, um, and the list goes on. And uh, places of the Northeast, places in Illinois, churches have never opened yet for fear. And uh, I understand all about the, the coronavirus and all of that. I, I get it, okay? I get it. But don't we have brains that we can use to think with? And uh, can we not see how the devil has used this? And I mentioned this this morning, that at a time when America needs the church revived, that's the last thing that we see right now. Let's stand together, please. Acts chapter number 4. We'll read verses 23 through 37 of Acts chapter number 4. And the apostles had been jailed overnight. They're let go here in verse number 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against the Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. 
by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. The prayer ends right here, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one, of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. They had all things common. The great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. How many believe we have an every word Bible? And really, if I took the time to speak about most of the words in this passage, we'd be here for a long time. I'll draw your attention to my text verse, verse number 23. Let's read verse 23 out loud together in unison. Verse 23, ready? And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. That little phrase, their own company. I'm going to speak on this subject for just a while tonight. God's revival crowd. God's revival crowd. Would to God everybody in this room tonight would be part of God's revival crowd. I'm going to find that out tonight as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. Father, bless your word and challenge us, Lord, please, with its truth. I ask, Lord, please, for the fullness of thy Holy Spirit. This, this passage excites me. Lord, it's, that's just me. I pray that all of us would find our place in this scripture. May we decide if we be part of your revival crowd, we pray. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. If you've been here during this, season, this series in previous chapters, we understand that a notable miracle had occurred and uh, God used the apostles, Peter and John, to heal a man that had been lame for 40 years. The Bible says he went walking and leaping and praising God for the wonderful miracle that had come to him. As the apostles began to explain this phenomenon to the crowd of people that gathered there outside the temple, the Bible says that 5,000 men got saved. Again, if you read most commentators, they'll tell you that back in those days, often they would just count the men count the men of certain ages. And so most believe that women and children also were saved, came to Christ during that time. It would be unusual for a man of the house to come to Christ and the lady of the house not come to Christ and even the children. It could be that, that, that a notable 15,000 people could have been saved at this event. And why not? Because here's a man they brought to the temple every day for 40 years and laid him there to ask alms of the people. And this day, Peter and John came by filled with the power of God and said, silver and gold have I none, but such have I have, as I have give I unto thee. And the man rose up, and his body and his ankles and his knees and hips and everything took place and took joint. And all of a sudden, he realized that now I could walk. I've never been able to do that my entire life. And he leaps and jumps just to see if he can, and people start seeing it, and they say, what in the world? People began to ask questions, and these men preached to them the gospel that day. 
And uh, it especially stirred up the people that gathered there, but also it angered the priests of the temple and the Sadducees, the Bible says, in chapter 4. So they locked Peter and John up overnight just to figure out what we're going to do now. How are we going to calm this crowd down now? Because this man is preaching about Jesus, whom we hung on Calvary's tree, and they said he rose from the grave, and they told the lie, as I mentioned last week, that somebody had stole the disciples and stole his body, stolen his body. Now this notable miracle has taken place. They lock him up, try to decide what to do, and, and so here we come to this passage. They had threatened them to never preach in his name. And they said, uh, for we cannot, verse 20, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They were not going to stop preaching. And they were bold in that. And so they let them go. And here they gather again in verse number 23. Notice the phrase, with their own company. What does that mean? That means most likely at least the 120 that were in the upper room. This crowd, this red hot crowd (laughs) that were praying in that upper room just a few days earlier. This crowd that understood the fullness of the Spirit of God. This crowd that knew what happened in that upper room. This crowd, many of them had seen the risen Savior. And this crowd was a stirred up crowd. It wasn't part of the new converts of the 3,000 on Pentecost. It was not part of the new converts on this day where 5,000 men got saved. It wasn't a crowd of new converts. It was not the, the, the Jewish crowd. It was not the priest crowd or the Pharisee crowd or that Sadducee, that apostate crowd. It was that crowd that was in the upper room. They gathered together with their own company they're back there still praying for God to bless these men of God I believe in most churches you will find a company of people that desire to have revival I believe in most churches you'll find as small or as large as it may be a crowd of people that really is sensitive that they don't quench the spirit of God that they don't resist the spirit of God that they're not guilty of, of gossip or found in any way to be hindering the work of God that he is trying to do in the church. I'm saying in most churches, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches, you'll find a crowd of people that's on fire for God. You may not be able to see it outwardly because the majority maybe be going the other direction, trying to throw water on the fire of God. But ladies and gentlemen, don't ever be part of that crowd. And as long as I'm your pastor of this church, which, by the way, my plan is to be till Jesus comes back or I die. I shouldn't have said that because it could be soon. I don't know. I'm going to fight for the revival crowd. I'm going to fight for that crowd of Bible readers and Bible heaters and those people that are faithful to God. I'm going to fight for that crowd that want to see people saved. I'm going to fight for that crowd that say, Preacher, man, when are we going to get the bus ministry to start again? I'm going to fight for that crowd to say, When are we going to start knocking the doors again? That's the crowd I'm going to be for. That revival crowd, that crowd that's on fire for Almighty God. I I think the same is true in our nation today. A good preacher, a good church, and a good Christian will desire revival. That's my crowd. That's my company. Uh, Their company, Peter and John's company, was not the company down at the temple. Did you get that? Oh, you say, preacher, I thought the temple was the place where where everybody everybody walked with God, right? But no, the temple was controlled in that day by the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And by the way, Pharisees and Sadducees fought like cats and dogs. It wasn't nothing but a dog fight. It was the furthest away from what God wanted as you could shake a stick. I'm just saying that was not God's crowd. God's crowd was that praying bunch of crowd that loved God and loved the fact that Jesus had risen from the grave. I have written down several things here. I'd like to spend most of my time on the first point, if I could. 
have about five points. I don't think this will take long tonight. But notice, please, I got caught up on verse 33 where it talks about great power and great grace. And so I just thought I'd use that word great. And I noticed this about this revival crowd. They had, they prayed great prayers. Would you write that down? They prayed great prayers. And verses 24 through 30 is actually a prayer. The Bible says this. And when they had heard that, what is that? When they heard this report. So these men came back and they told this company of people, this bunch of prayer warriors, this bunch of people that were very familiar with God's fire of revival. Verse 20, they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Told them the whole story. Told them how they threatened them. I don't know what they said to them. Maybe they said, we catch you preaching Jesus. We're going to cut your tongue out. I don't know. I know that back in the time of the dark ages, that literally happened. People were martyred for their faith. They probably said, we catch you doing this again. We're going to jail you, which by the way, they did. Probably said, if you don't shut this thing down, we're going to kill you. But they threatened them not to preach in Jesus. And they come back and settle that. And when they heard it, notice the plural phrase, the pronoun there. And when they, that means this crowd, this, this, his company, this revival crowd. And when they heard it, watch this now, that they lifted up their voice to God. They, plural, they all did. Not just Peter and not just John. And with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which made heaven and earth. So as we work our way through this prayer, number one, if you write this down, I have this, in, in, I'm using these E's here. It was an echoing prayer. And by the way, I don't mean it was an echo, 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 echo. I don't mean that. I mean that when Peter and John got down to pray, that these others prayed with them. And I know, forgive me, but I, I came out of West Virginia and I grew up there and when the men would gather around the altar and everybody would start praying. And I, I know that sometimes that can be a prayer competition so you could pray the longest and the loudest and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these people got down and they began to pray kind of sort of in unison. The words are there. They prayed. They were in one accord in their prayer. I do not know if, uh, if Peter and John led in the prayer and they repeated the prayer. The only thing I know is this was a praying, a red hot praying place. By the way, let me just stop and say this. Would to God, you and I, we get back to some old-fashioned praying for the needs of our nation and the needs of our church and the needs of our family. God is a prayer-answering God. We have not because we ask not. And I believe that revival uh, springs on the heels of prayer, and that's why this is the longest passage here. It was an echoing prayer. Notice, secondly, it was an, an enemy-revealing prayer. It was an enemy-revealing prayer. Great prayers here. Look at verse 27. They named names. For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. Now they're praying to God. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Notice that they were revealing the enemy. They named names. Notice there were two diametrically opposite classes of people here. You have Peter and John's crowd and you have the chief priest's crowd. Completely opposite. May I say today, we have the same thing in America. All that uh, barks the Lord and says, Lord, Lord, shall not enter the kingdom of God. We've got a crowd in America that just likes to use the Lord for some political gain. We've got a crowd in America that uses the Lord for financial gain. And then we've got a crowd in America 
who stays on their face before God and asks God to give them the power of God and see revival in their nation. We've got another crowd in America, and that's the crowd I want to be part of. I don't want to be part of the, the groovy crowd, the apostate crowd. I want to be part of Peter and John's crowd. They both represented two opposing interests, and they were about to enter in what will soon be a deadly conflict as we proceed through this text. There are two opposing crowds in the world today. That's in the world. But listen to me. You never want that in a church. You don't want two crowds in the church. <clears throat> you want one crowd in the church. The revival crowd in the church. You don't want one crowd in the church that wants a hireling for their pastor and wants somebody to just tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. Let us do whatever we want to do, preacher. By the way, that's what all the other churches are doing, by the way. That's why God gives you a pastor that preaches, thus saith the word of God. That's why we try to have in preachers that believe the same thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't need somebody tickling our ears tonight. We need somebody telling us what the word of God says. And so I, I'm just saying tonight there were two crowds here. When that other crowd gets inside your church, you're not on finished. May God help us to expose that. The majority of people in a revival church will love God and believe God and try to do the right things. It was an exalting prayer, verse 24. Stick with me now. Don't jump off now. We got several more points. It was an exalting crowd. Look at verse 24. Notice their prayer. They lifted up their voice with one accord, and they said, Lord, Thou art God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. What's that all about? They said, Lord, you're the God of heaven. You're the God of earth. You're the God of creation. Maybe we ought to try glorifying God more in our prayers. Maybe it's time that you and I get back to not just asking for all the things that we need first. Maybe what we ought to do is just praise God for all he's done. I mean, uh, just the beauty of creation right now, the blue skies and the leaves as they change and the fact that God has given us a beautiful weather, he's given us the fact that God's given us our families and our homes and the prosperity we have. And here is America in a downward economy with a, with a stock market that's about to explode through the roof. People are getting their jobs back after having this nation shut down for so long. Maybe you ought to get back to saying, Lord, thank you for feeding me through this whole mess. Thank you for taking me through the coronavirus. Thank you for healing my body. Thank you today for all you've done for me. Maybe I ought to stop and just glorify God. God inhabits the praise of his people. It was an exalting prayer like this. It was an exposing prayer. Look verse 25. It says, Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, by the way, this is a quote from Psalm 2. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. You say, pray, preacher, what do you mean? It was an exposing prayer. It exposed the agenda of this world system. By the way, uh, there's a little note here about Scripture and Bible study. As you read Old Testament things, all Scripture is given for inspiration. So just because something is in the Old Testament doesn't mean it's not relevant to the New Testament. Here, these people in their prayer were so spiritual. Now, they're all praying. Maybe Peter and John was leading the prayer and they were scripture, knowledge, had knowledge of the Scripture of this. Maybe everybody did. I don't know, but... I'm just saying they got to the place in their prayer where they said, we're going to reveal the agenda of these priests and these Sadducees. 
that took the men of God and threatened the men of God and locked them up unworthily that night should have never happened. They should have never sat one night in jail. You say, why did that happen? They say, I'll tell you why. Because in Psalm 2, God said it was going to happen. Revealed the agenda. Exposed it. And here the world has gathered together against the Christ child, and that has not changed. But it also exposes the great providential agenda of our Heavenly Father. You've got to throw this in here. Look at verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Now let's just stop just a minute. Let's take a little time out. I'm not a Calvinist. There's not a Calvinist bone in my body. Uh, I believe that uh, God never predestinated a person to heaven. He never predestinated a person to hell. I don't believe that. I think that teaching is of the devil and straight out of hell. But I'm going to tell you this. We still have a sovereign God. And I will tell you this, that God tells us in the Old Testament what's going to occur in the New Testament. And God tells you and I things in the New Testament that's going to happen to us right now. So it don't take a rocket scientist for these people here to say what is going on right now was prophesied in the Old Testament in Psalm 2 and other places. I'm simply saying in this prayer, God not only, not only exposes the agenda of an evil world system, but God also exposes the great providential agenda of our Heavenly Father. Now, fast forward. 2 Timothy 3 for the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own flesh. And the list goes on and on and on. Another place in the New Testament says that men shall wax worse and worse. Our world system will. Another place I think over in 1 John talks about the spirit of Antichrist now is. And understand this. God has already told us it would be like this. I got it. This, this, this whole 2020 has worked on your pastor's brain. And um, I'm still trying to sort it all out. You know, when I was a little boy growing up, I thought this is kind of how end times would happen. There'd be some big bomb drop somewhere and everybody would run in their houses and get provision. And then we'd all just kind of wait for the Lord to come back. And, and I had this idea maybe that, that food would become short and, and the churches would be locked down and all kind of bad things happened, and boom, all of a sudden, Jesus Christ would take us out of this place. That's what I thought. And by the way, that may happen. But can you not see that God is slowly conditioning us for his return? Am I the only one that thinks that? Where in the world did all this stuff come from? Why now? And you think you know what's going to happen this fall, and you don't know, and I don't know. As far as election is concerned, I, I have my preference of who I like to be in there, and the person I want in there is the person who's going to give me my religious freedom so I can do what I'm doing right now. Amen. But whether that man gets in or another man gets in, what makes you think everything's going to be hunky-dory? What makes you think they won't continue burning down this nation as they said they were going to? May I remind you that just about a week or so ago that there were people that stormed the, the, the state capitol at Michigan. I saw their pictures, the video, right on the steps before they were arrested. Was going to, were going to uh, kidnap or abduct whatever the governor in America. 
just saying that you can turn all that stuff off in your brain and just say, well, we're just kind of going through a hard time. Or you could step back and say, hey, the world has an agenda and maybe God has an agenda. And the revival people got on their face before God and they exposed the world's agenda and they exposed God's agenda. His providential hand. Therefore, we know that it's going to be like this for us in our generation as well. I wrote this next thing down. It was a great prayer in that it was an earnest prayer. Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. He said, Lord, we want you to look down on these people that threaten the men of God and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak the word. It was earnest. Lord, give us the power. Give us your power by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. Now stop. Watch the scriptures. Look what the Bible says. Peter and John did not heal that lame man. And they went, the Bible went to great lengths to prove that God did that. And Peter and John were just there. I've already preached on that. But look what's said right here. It said, Lord, now we want you to stretch forth thine hand to heal. And use thine hand to produce signs and wonders. May be done in the name of the holy child Jesus. Now watch this. Understand that this was a prayer pleading for, for God to answer a specific request for the help against threatenings and to, for God to give them boldness and for God to give them those signs and wonders that those Jewish people need. The Jew required a sign that God would do all of that work. And by the way, he did. And he continued to do that throughout the book of Acts. We'll be talking some about that. And so when we get on things such as the tongues as they were used which were not ecstatic utterances we understand these were signs by God it's all being prayed for right here as we preach on subsequent passages let's remember that it was an earnest prayer when's the last time you prayed an earnest prayer James says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much when's the last time that your prayers produce a fervency that just came from within you that you've never really practice very often our prayers are often so trite I remember old grandpa Turner as he would pray as revival would come through in the little country church he went to the old Mill Creek Baptist Church there in frozen camp West Virginia and how old grandpa would there was just an earnestness that came over him a kind of prayer that I never really seen him pray before back in those days people knew when to get serious with God and ladies and gentlemen now is the time to get serious with God it was an earnest prayer it was an eventful prayer let's be honest verse 30 it says by stretching forth thine hand verse 31 and when they, they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness the place was shaken the Bible says the revival crowd, you say, what does that mean? Uh, in the original Greek, that means it was shaken. It means there was, a, there was a movement there, and everybody could feel it. They all experienced it. You say, isn't that kind of charismatic? No, it's not. No, God, God, God's working right here. Let me just say it like this. I'm not looking for the floor to shake, but I'm looking for this city to shake. I'm looking for this church to shake one more time. I'm not talking about a body shake. I'm not talking about the seats rattling and the, and, the, and, the, and the lights falling out of the ceiling. I'm talking about people getting stirred up. 
And I will say this. Don't miss this, what I'm saying. The revival crowd does not fear a movement of God. The Bible indicates here that there is a great movement in the people. The result of it, the Bible says, it wasn't wildfire. They were fear, filled with the Spirit of God, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Boy, don't we need that. When was the last time you took a gospel track or the gospel as you have it memorized or known, the presentation, whatever it is, when was the last time that you had the boldness of God on you to give that to a friend or even a stranger? But the field wheeler came back to the prayer room tonight to aggravate. And he came in there, he came in and talked to Seth. Brother Wheeler, if you don't know him, he has, we support him, but he has a ministry to uh, county fairs and state fairs and things like that, big events. And uh, has thousands saved every year. This past year has been a, a downer year. Because most of those events closed. So he does a lot of one-on-one -on -one work. But if you ever, if you ever know, want to know what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about boldness in giving out the word of God, the gospel, get around him. He'll show you. And I'm going to tell, tell you what happens with the average person if you get around him. It'll make you feel uneasy. Because you're thinking... How can he say that to those people? I'm going to tell you how. And he's not perfect. I'm going to tell you how. He's filled with the Spirit of God. He don't beat around the bush. Anybody ever see him in action out there underneath the tent? Anybody ever see that happen? And he gives the Word of God with boldness. Listen to me. Every person in this room needs to learn how to give out the gospel with boldness. It's not something you well up just get some tenacity about you it's something that the spirit of god gives you when you walk with god i'm just going to just tell you that you can't stay on your computer all day long and fiddle with your cell phone and look at some of the smut and things that you do or some people do uh and think that you're going to be filled with the spirit of god look i didn't get off the pumpkin wagon last night i know what's happening at the church of the living god there's so much talk in this church and churches like this church and there's so much stuff that people are involved in that's not of God. It takes the power of God right out of them. And they're sitting there powerless and they wonder, what in the world happened? How about getting some of the world out of you and getting the Spirit of God in you? That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. God will not fill a dirty vessel. And the more of us that decide to get the world out and get God in, you'll see a change in this church. Churches like ours. It was an eventful prayer. Number one. Great prayers. I said I move fast. Number two, write this down. Great provision. Verses 32 through 34, 34 and 35. The Bible says here, uh, uh, And the multitude of, of them that believe were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them uh, that ought of things, or in other words, anything that they owned and possessed themselves was their own. They had all things in common. Verse 34, Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were were possessors of lands and houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. That was the people, the free people inside the church, this church together, which was growing. It doesn't mean people were homeless. They gave up the homes. There were people that had more than one home, more than one land. 
And they took those things and they sold them. And then they worked through the church to make sure that everybody was provided for. Now, let me stop and say this. This was not communal living. A lot of people say it's communal living. I think there was still some status and so forth, but there wasn't anybody that lacked. And you say, well, preacher, why can't we do that today? I'm going to tell you why. Because the government stepped in years ago and started doing that. I'm not going to go there. But the government, years ago, I guess back in the 30s and so forth, started having wages replaced, lost wages whenever someone loses their job. There's different things when somebody was disabled. You were able to, and you know what I'm talking about. The church moved out of that. But even back then, people didn't take advantage of other people. They didn't do it for gain. These people didn't sell their houses thinking, well, okay, I'm going to make a little money off someone in the church. That wasn't, that wasn't the idea at all. They just took care of each other. And here's why. There was unity. They had one heart, the Bible says in verse 13, and one soul. That is a very deep thing. I could preach on that tonight. Don't have time. Verses 34 and 35 indicate that there was great care for each other. Nobody made gain off of each other. Let me just stop and say this right here. This church is not to be a place where you make your money. I know churches greater than ours that lost everything because of things that occurred inside the church where people felt like that they weren't done right in some type of business deal or something like this. This is not the place for that. Well, that sucked the air right out of this place, didn't it? It's a place where you feel like we're one heart and one soul. I better move on, hadn't I? How many of y'all want revival? Number three, there's great power. Verse 31 says that when they prayed, they were filled with the Spirit of God. Verse number 33 says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord. What does that mean? The power of God is vested in the Holy Spirit. The person is the Holy Spirit of God, but it's vested in that great power that raised Jesus' dead body out of that grave. You understand that Jesus had died on the cross for our sins, and God raised him up in that great resurrection power. And that's the power that all the apostles operated in. A power so great that it could raise Christ's body from the grave and make it alive again. That physical body is the same power that you can take a dead, washed-out sinner, dead in their trespasses and sins, and raise them back to new life. That's called resurrection power. Something that people are not very knowledgeable about today. As a result, they were able to speak the word of God with boldness. And then there was great praise. Look at verse 33, the last part. The Bible says, Great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection, and great grace was upon them all. That word grace is used in a different way right here. It is a Greek word, charis, and it means to rejoice or to praise. I want to explain to you what was going on there as they went back to their own company. As they went back to that revival crowd, they all got together and they were praying together. They were praying in one accord. They were praying in one accord. A great and powerful prayer. You could hear it throughout the room they were in. And then there was great praise. Great rejoicing. Y'all are singing really well tonight, and I really appreciate that. I appreciate Brother Pearson leading us in song. 
And I'm going to tell you what. Whenever we can do that, and we get away from the black letters on the white page, and, well, we don't have even a songbook now. How about the following the bouncing ball, whatever it is? And that song begins to absorb you. There are two or three. I mean, I can't keep stopping and interrupting the service. I told them this morning to sing a song, a cappella, verse a cappella. And, and, but there were, there were songs tonight, there were words and phrases that just would leap off that page at me. I'm going to tell you what. We've just about got the praise and shout knocked right out of us. Let me just ask you this question. What knocked the shout out of you? What knocked the praise out of you? You want me to tell you? Either something or someone has caused you to not be in step with what God is doing in this world and His church. Either something or someone has knocked you off step with what God is trying to do in this world and this church. By the way, he's working in both. Let me ask this question. How many of you believe right now that God is in control and he's working in this world? How many say it's obvious? Then why wouldn't he be working in the church? We kind of just lay that off. It's almost like we're exempt from all of that. Either something or someone has caused you not to be in step with what God is doing in this church or this world. You've, you've isolated yourself from the revival company. And you're about half mad about that. Or, secondly, you're in this thing called Christianity for yourself and not for the sake of reaching others. I draw your attention to verse number 32. They that believed, this multitude of them that believed, were of one heart and one soul. One heart and one soul. Honestly, you can't talk about other people and be of one heart and one soul. Church, we're not there. We're just not there. I'm not talking about naming names of the people in the world because they named the names in their prayer of people that was causing church trouble. But you don't bring that inside the church. And you don't get two crowds inside the church. You have one crowd in the church, the revival crowd in the church. And then lastly, there were great preachers produced. Great preachers out of nowhere in this revival that's gathering multitudes now in Joseph verse 36 who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas which is being interpreted the son of consolation notice this next phrase a Levite of the country of Cyprus having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet this revival turned out a great man like Barnabas. Watch this now. A Levite and a landowner. Barnabas was a Levite and a landowner. As a Levite, you couldn't be both. Did you know that? 
As defined in the Old Testament, a Levite was to live in the temple. His land was not to be owned by him. As a Levite, he was forbidden to be a Levite and a businessman. But he was done with all that. The New Testament man of God is not to entangle himself with this world. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3 is not to be given a filthy lucre. Now God calls him to walk away from it all and serve God. By the way, you'll hear more of this man in the coming chapters of Acts, God's book on revival. But let me just say this. Fundamentalism right now. I'm talking especially of independent Baptist churches. Is failing today and turning out preachers. You ask any Bible college. They'll tell you what's going on. Brother Kramer and I worked diligently just to get teachers and staff to staff this ministry. Five, six years ago, we used to say they were standing in line. They weren't literally standing in line, but we had plenty of application. We had plenty of people that would come through and they'd be very interested and we would be able to take all of them. That changed. But I'm speaking particularly of preachers. What we're finding now that men that have been called to serve God are walking away from their calling to make money elsewhere. The opposite was happening with Barnabas. Barnabas was an old order Levite that wasn't doing anything for God anyway. Living in Cyprus. Part of this great revival, he watched what was happening. He got all caught up and he said, I don't want to be part of that apostate crowd. I'm only part of the revival crowd. I'm selling my land. I'm all in. I'm all in. Then later on, you see him part and partner with the apostle Paul. I'm simply saying the revival fire fires up men of God. It is still a sign of revival today. I'm talking to men in our church for just a while here. I'm not asking God to call preachers out of this church. If God calls preachers out here, great. I'm just asking men of God to step up to the plate. You don't have to be a preacher to step up to the plate. You've heard me say this over and over and over again. My record's stuck on it tonight, and you'll just have to forgive me, but I remember I've got it written right in the front of my Bible. I've got so many pages I've got stuff written in front of my Bible. The exact date of the revivals we had out back under the old tent. It just kept going on and on and on. Y'all remember the fire? How many of y'all remember the fire? How many of you remember, how many of you remember the young man that came in at nighttime and started praying around this altar with the teenagers? How many remember that many of those young men are called to preach? Still preaching today. Jordan Dow was one of them. My son was one of them. Chris Brown, he just got back from Connecticut. He voted twice while he was up there. Andrew Brownie was one of them. He probably has one of the most exciting churches right now in that area. What happened? Mr. Pearson, what happened to all the college students going to Christian colleges? Almost overnight. 
Could it be that some of our young people are looking at us? As we walk away from the bus ministry, step out of the choir, step back from teaching, say, wow, if the older folks don't have any fire, why should we? Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. What crowd do you want to be part of? This altar is open right now. Would to God, would to God we fill it up with people to say, I want to be part of the revival crowd. I don't want to be part of the crowd that calls in trouble. I want to be part of the crowd that is part of the solution. Revival crowd. They threatened them, locked them up overnight. Then they let them out. They went back to their own company. That's the bunch that I'm going to be part of. Father, bless this invitation time. Help us, dear God. Please help us to get some of the fire back.